you're loving these podcasts, then please do head over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash business master. It's super easy. I promise you, your support really is appreciated. And it helps in the creation of these in-depth masterclasses and interviews to equip you, your team and your business for growth. If you have supported us already, many thanks. And if not, you can do this by heading over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash business master. You'll also be able to get access to exclusive content from the guests and myself, further insights and information on the featured episodes and how you can get more access for you and your business. Hey, Gavin here and welcome to the Business Mastermind podcast. As you know, in the season that we're currently in on Revive, I've been wanting to bring to you tools, strategies, tips and techniques that really will help you get things moving in your business at a higher rate, a productivity of effectiveness and of course, of performance. And productivity is always a really popular area to be uh, focusing on. And everybody wants to know, how can we get more done in less time? So really looking forward to this conversation today. We are welcoming to the podcast a lady called Chris Ward. She is the author of Win the Hour, Win the Day. And I can tell you from having uh, read the book that this is packed with practical steps that cut through the noise that you hear about so many different productivity or time management strategies and trainings to the stuff that works in a very simple and accessible way. So you're going to love this. And more importantly, you'll be able to take away tips, tools, strategies from this interview with Chris that will help you improve your productivity and help you win the hour, win the day. So Chris Ward, welcome to the Business Mastermind Podcast. I'm thrilled to be here. That's quite a little testimonial. Thank you so much. I'm really passionate about big results, no fluff. So I appreciate that that's what you got out of it. Yeah, absolutely for sure. So say by way of background what you do, and then if you then lead into the kind of the backstory that just drove you to distilling for you what works in terms of productivity that helped you kind of refine your your system? Yeah, that's an excellent question, Gavin, because so many people think productivity is really about, you know, I know I did, I thought it was being organized and it was a constant race against time. So I call myself a recovering rushaholic. And that was my answer to everything is just go faster, harder, and I could, you know, outrun time and anyone around me. So for me, where the transition uh, happened was, you know, I started out many years ago, like 12, 15 years ago as a marketing strategist. And the first two years I was in business, I worked night and day, like 16 hour days. And it was just nuts. And two years in, I had people gently tell me that I was starting to lose some of my charm. Like you go two years without sleep, you get a bit edgy, right? (laughs) So we realized, well, that's not working and I can't sustain that. And the people that were cheering me on, supporting me the most, I was starting to become, you know, rather impatient with. So moving the story along, I really went from 16 hours a day down to six. Now that didn't happen overnight. That's a whole story in itself, but bear with me as we move forward. So what happened was a couple years later, luckily I had done that because my husband had been diagnosed with colon cancer and I had been pulled away from the business for about two years. When I returned after his passing, my existing clients had no idea of my absence. They just didn't know it wasn't how we navigated his journey. We were very positive in nature. It was just something that I didn't talk about. So the, the local business community, nobody knew. So my clients started to approach me under the fragility of life and they started to say like, if you were away and we had no idea, maybe you could help me get to my kids' soccer games. Maybe I could stop, you know, hiding like, you know, an addict on Sunday trying to sneak in one more email when people around the house are calling out my name. I just get one more email in, right? We've all so been there. Start- yeah, yeah, right? You're in a closet like a junkie trying to get two more emails out. No, no, I'm coming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I started working with them under the capacity of what we call, you know, people diagnose it as productivity, but we could talk about your time, your team, and your toolkits. We have this formula called super toolkits. And what I believe is that your business is there to support your life, not consume it. And you did not start a business just to run a business. So I started working with these people and we started getting great results and they were so appreciative. And I realized that so many of you people out there, you're isolated 
And, you know, you've been in business maybe five, six years. You're doing well. You look fine on paper. You're out online. You're doing stuff, but you're still putting in way too many hours from where you thought you'd be at this point. And you still have big ambitions that you want to get out. It's not just about being caught in the web of admin. It's about the next thing and the thing after that, right? It's that moving horizon in the desert. So that's when I started coaching and we just, you know, we've got different entry levels of coaching, but now we've just uh, created this new winner circle. I guarantee you guys would just totally love. It's a different price point, but gives you a whole bunch of opportunities to really get all your ideas to execution and be in what we call the win formula, 60% execution versus being trapped in the constant trappings of the web of admin. 60% execution. Yeah. So when you started to refine this, you mentioned that you'd gone down from 16 hours to six, mm. which is phenomenal. I, I'm assuming there that your output in terms of um, deliverables and, and revenue uh, and, you know, client deliverables and revenue were, were still maintained or even improved when you went down from 16 oh, to you six. Know what? I'm so sorry. I just spoke over you, but it was shocking to me. It was shocking how much I was working against myself. It was shocking that my efficiency, my income went up, my joy for the job, my productivity. And by productivity, I don't really love that word because everybody uses it and it kind of gives you the sense of getting more done. But when I think of productivity, I mean you know, getting that next thing out, getting a book written, starting a podcast and starting in the winner circle, doing whatever, whatever your next thing is for you. Productivity to me means constantly, you know, we've got more ideas than we can implement as entrepreneurs. So it means getting those ambitions to come alive instead of that constant sliding up the muddy hill and sliding back. So I was shocked that I was exhausted all the time and nauseous and tired and you know, I felt like there could be 40, they say Eskimos have 40 words for snow and I could have easily given you 40 different symptoms of, of different layers of being exhausted and all that thinking I was doing a noble thing, wearing a badge of honor. And it makes no sense. Like the brain was fatigued. I was not playing my best game and I was totally working against myself. So in fact, I would tell you, Gavin, that my business soared I brought in more revenue. I is more in creation mode. I mean, all the best inventions in the history of mankind comes from when you're in rest or play and that's how the brain works. So, so it was, it was, it was just horrible how abusive I was to myself for, for no reason, really. So how did you, what were the steps you took or where did you get to in terms of your formula that, had such a massive reduction in terms of uh, input of hours, but output and results? Yeah. So there's a couple of things. So, and, and these are fabulous questions. So let me highlight a couple of things that we did. So we, we always focus on, you know, in the winter circle team time and super toolkits. All right. So the first thing is I did start to get some help because you think as an entrepreneur, Oh no, no, I'll save money if I do it myself. Okay. And that ties me into the three D's. Damaging overhead, delayed income, diminished opportunity. So let's think, for example, Gavin, if you could sell something very basic, like a package for like, say, $100. When you're learning that new thing or doing that thing at 6, 7, 8 o'clock at night because you're like, oh, I got to figure this out. I got to do this. It's I can just do it myself. It's cheaper. It's faster, whatever. You're essentially building your company that $100 per hour because you're not bringing in that revenue. So that's the damaging overhead. You think you're saving yourself money aside from fatiguing yourself and making yourself more tired tomorrow and you'd be less productive tomorrow and you just can't think clearly. You're billing your company like a lot of money, damaging overhead. Then there's delayed income. Imagine what it costs you when you get a client in June that you could have gotten January. And, and what if they gave you one referral? That's very expensive. And then the most painful of them all, Gavin, is what I call diminished opportunity. When they say, Gavin, oh my gosh, I wish we knew that you did that. Uh, yeah, well, you were in there trapped in the web of admin, Gavin. We actually met somebody else because they were out there doing this stuff. And we've just signed on to a contract with them, right? So the three Ds, you know, really, you, you want to start creating a team. And we live in a magical time, a magical time where you can hire people, very affordable. If you can afford a coffee, you can afford help but I do want to put a pin in that. So many people bring on a VA and what they do is create another job. They think they have a team. It's like, no, now you're just supervising that VA, like a parent to a child, a teacher to a student. And what I'm all about is your team managing you. 
And that that should be almost like instead of being in a rowboat, you put an engine, if you can imagine an engine on the back of that rowboat, and now you're just soaring through it. You're not rowing anymore. So a big mistake people make is that corporate formula, like when you were an employee, Gavin, and you know somebody gives you work and then they kind of check on it. So you do need to have a team or else you're a sufferpreneur and it's not a business. And so that's, but the team can be very lean and the team can be part-time. Even if you had a million dollars and if you went from zero to one person, I would not hire them, bring them on full-time the first week. So team is the first sort of pillar in this. Can building. I just unpick that you made a distinction about what most people do with get a VA, but that doesn't work. So can you, I, I, can you explain what you would do that does work? Yeah. So, and I'm so glad because I get so passionate about this. I could do a seven week Netflix docu-series. So please jump yeah. in at any time because I'll just be so excited. So why, what I mean about that, Gavin, is somebody thinks, okay, here's something I hear a lot from clients that come with us. They'll think, oh, I, I went out and I hired someone, which by the way, it's not rocket science, but I've been doing this for like 12 plus years now. There is a whole process to hire training onboarding. And when you're in our winner's circle, we do the first one for you. And then we train you how to do it. But people just think, oh, I'll just go and get somebody. And that, that's, that's a whole skill and talent itself. So then you get somebody, let's say you just got lucky. Then they have like, okay, well, I think that worked out. And then it worked out for a while. And then it stopped working out. So then I go hire somebody. I think, oh, I didn't pay them enough. So I'll pay them more. And you're sort of chasing the wrong thing. Because what happens is a lot of people say, well, Chris, I know I'm out of control. I'm running around. I need some help. But I thought he or she would bring that. I thought they would take care of that. But they can't parent up. They can't create a system for you, right? They can't. They can't come in and say, Gavin, Gavin, we have told you four times in the last three weeks that you're not recording the passwords where they need to be. Don't make me speak to you again, Gavin, right? They, they can't have those systems in play. So they bring in this person that they think is going to create these systems or or they do have somebody that's fabulous, and I call it the Ethel syndrome, like the doctor in the 50s where his secretary knew where everything was and kind of, you know, got him through the day like the work wife. I've had messages from people like, you know, I've got a text screen capture. She said, Chris, I've been literally up all night crying because she had this VA and she thought it was great. And then the VA just quit. And she said, I don't need, I, like my business is, is done. Well, that's what I call Ethel syndrome, which leans us in then to what I call the super toolkits. But getting a VA by itself, adding more people to chaos just doesn't solve chaos. So understanding what that VA is going to do and putting it into a bigger system like the super toolkits and understanding that the VA and it's, it's, it's an important, it's kind of like having a hammer, Gavin, you can give a carpenter a hammer, but giving me a hammer doesn't make me a carpenter. Yes. Okay. So it's not that VAs are the problem. It's the fact that then they're, they're not slotted into an effective system. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Or even if you had a somewhat effective system, how are you recruiting that VA? You know, do you have any talent or experience in that? Or so many people will say, oh, I want the VA to do this. And then I want them to do social media. Well, let's even just take social media. Do you want them to deal with front end, back end, posting, graphics? What do you want? So all of a sudden they just have this big, you know, potluck lunch of this, everything, let's throw everything in this pot and think the VA can deal with all these things. And it doesn't usually work. And they'll say, oh, but when they started, they were so good. Yeah, because you gave them three or four things. And now you stretch their capabilities into seven different skill sets. And you think, well, that only takes three hours. And that takes four hours. Great. But they're in completely different spectrums. And I'm not suggesting you have 10 people. But you have to be mindful of the position you're building. Okay. So team. So team, it could be virtual assistant or it could be somebody part-time that works with you physically in your in your business but in a in a world where there's a lot more hybrid working going on it is highly likely that that individual first hire or more than the first hires will be working remotely yeah because it makes it so much more affordable and then think about it this way gavin if you were what kind of do you watch sports are you a sports guy in any capacity did you ever play sports? Um, yeah, but my sport is a little bit sort of niche. I, I like sailing, but the, and okay. uh, so ra rather than soccer or uh, or things like that. So yeah. So if you're creating a sailing team, I don't know if that's the right yeah, lingo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're, oh, I know a crew. Look at me, I'm learning. I think if you're creating a crew, would you want to choose the crew from the local area if you were going into a competition, or do you want to choose the crew from around the globe? So when it's virtual, it just opens up the talent of what is the best locally or best around the globe. So it's totally 
like it's just i would say almost preferred and excellent to be able to have the world at your oyster yeah okay great so you're starting to look at the team now um presumably before you start to build that team you've got to be clear clear around the roles that you need help with so when you were going down from on that journey from 16 down to six hours um did you start with offloading delegating certain key you know where did you start with your delegation process that's a great story. And I don't love the word delegating because that's a lateral move. And I'm not picking on you, Gavin. That's a word that everybody uses. And I just have bigger ambitions for that. But let me just tell you a super quick story. So when I was going out as a marketing strategist and you know, I went online long before anybody else because I was using Skype even when somebody was like 10 minutes down the road because I just realized I could have eight appointments in a day instead of you know four driving around waiting for people to come out of their offices. But many years ago, about 12 plus years ago, I was sitting in, you know, week after week in different people's offices taking notes and they wanted help with their marketing and all that stuff. So I would take these notes and then I would go back to my office and I would hand to God, Gavin, promise that I would get these notes in Friday afternoon, right? I'm like, okay, I'm really busy, but I'll get them in by Friday and I'll put them in the file. And if I was lucky, if I was lucky, I got them in that Friday, but often it was like the next week or the week after. And so what would happen is sometimes they would call me and ask questions. And these notes were meant for like 20 minutes or a day, not for two weeks, right? So then I'm scrambling and I sound like I'm ill-prepared or I might make a mistake and undercut myself or, or overprice them. And I look like I'm trying to swindle them. It just, I was just busy. I went back to the office. I got lost in the day. It was crazy, right? So I realized this cannot be. So for me, my very first hire was I hired a transcriptionist. Now, this is all she liked to do. I don't get it, but she had like 10 clients. It's all she liked to do. And so what would happen is I would leave the meeting, sit in my car, and I would talk for like a minute of all the very few notes I had, but everything was fresh there. And then she would put them in the computer. Now, for me, the weeks I needed her a lot cost me like 12 bucks because she was so fast. Mm -hmm. And the weeks I didn't need her at all, I didn't pay her. And Mm -hmm. I thought, this is insanity, like the mistakes, the stress, I didn't have to do anything on Friday afternoons. Like the load this took off me was unbelievable. And now we all know there's so many apps to even do that. She's out of work, right? So I guess what I want you to see is that was one little thing, but it was like taking a pebble out of my shoe. It relieved pain throughout my whole body, right? So it's, there's all kinds of, I mean, I would be a more ambitious if you're working with me, but these are little simple things that had such a positive impact on my week. I was only having a conversation today with a client. I'm just thinking about this idea about damaging overhead. And I was having a conversation earlier today with a client about, um, you know, he's overseeing product. He's the managing director of the business. He's, he's the founder of the business, but he's overseeing production. Um, he's actually doing production planning. He's still doing all the finance activity. Uh, and, you know, the conversation was right. We've from previous conversations, we've established operations manager is a key role that he, he's bringing on. And, and the conversation today moved on to what about the finance side of the business when, you know, and my encouragement is how soon are you going to get in place uh, an accounts assistant to help you on the finance side of the business to free up your time? Because to your other point about diminished opportunity, he is better working on that business, growing the brand nationally and then internationally. And um, until he finds the right person around business development, he's just phenomenal on the business side of business uh, winning side of things. He shouldn't be doing the admin of finance. No, I've had all kinds of clients where I had this one client. She's just, uh, my heaven, she was smart cookie. And she was kind of like a really high-end accountant type thing. And she dealt with, in the States, military people that came back and started their own business. So it was military funding. It was very specific. It wasn't just like entrepreneur yep. stuff, right? Yep. So it was, and she she would do this event once a year. It's a really big deal because I guess the guys and women come back from whatever their their tour and then they're connected to this membership they have and they wanted to build a business and have these people come in. Well, here she was this brainiac that is very entrenched in a very niche community and she's got this event and she's trying to give back and get these guys, their businesses up and running and it's a whole powerful thing versus them sort of being unemployed and she's making a flyer at two o'clock in the morning, you know, exhausted and fed up and like she, she knows more about finances and military type financing than I will know in 10 lifetimes. But one thing leads to another. And all of a sudden you're making a flyer at two o'clock in the morning that you don't know how to do. And it's just insanity. 
I think the the trap that a lot of people get into, particularly when they're early on in their business, and we have people listen to this uh, this show that are range really from startup to very established larger businesses, and they're working as much larger organisations or corporations. But those in earlier stages, a micro business, are just going to look at the cash going out the door, aren't they, and saying, "Well, I need to do that my, myself." Yeah, I thought that for years, Gavin, Mm. but I mean, clearly I could afford $12 no matter how broke I was. And I spent $12 on that transcriptionist. And then all of a sudden I'm not misquoting people and I'm not stressed and I'm not getting up. My husband used to say I was always stealing from sleep, getting up earlier, earlier, staying later and later. So I could afford $12 and I was broke. So all I'm saying is I'm telling you, you will be broke longer and harder and deeper until you start doing this. Where did you go next after transcriptionist? Where for you was your next uh, area? Then I went to, you know, then I did go to the VA, but we leaned heavily into what we call super toolkits. So super toolkits, people sometimes ask, are they like SOP, standard operating procedures? So standard operating procedures are written not by the end user. They're usually written to cover liability and they're static in nature. So the super toolkits, what happens with those is they are breathing documents that I've created. And what happens is anything you could do, say, in 12 steps, you could, you, you're always improving them. And, and they go from 12 steps down to eight. And it's not about being uh, people confused as, oh, I want my business to have freedom and creativity and I don't want something restricting me. This takes anything you do at all, more than once and it makes that systematized so then you can move on and create the next thing. So that I can get stuff done in an incredible amount of time without having to remember or having all the file drawers open in my brain and using up decision fatigue or attention residue that wears down the human brain. And that way, when I go to do something 11 o'clock, my brain is still fully charged like a battery versus everybody else has like all these apps open on their phone and then it burns down their battery. So with the VA, we started creating what I designed and grew from super toolkits and that's kind of how that part started to unfold. Great. And just to give a little bit more sort of uh, context around that, the toolkits for different processes in your business. So you might have one for uh, social media marketing, lead generation, um, onboarding of a customer or a client, uh, finance, raising an invoice, collecting an invoice, just as a few potential areas. I have a super toolkit for absolutely everything. And what that means is that I don't have to remember because the human brain, if you give them seven things, they will remember four and those four will rotate. And what it means too, is that we can turn on a dime. Anytime we come up with a new idea or a new thing, then we can just turn on a dime because we just add it to the super toolkit. So I will never make the same mistake twice. So, I mean, even hopping onto this show, I have a super toolkit for prepping myself to get on a podcast. I don't have to look and remember everything. And to that point, a couple of weeks ago, I'd gotten new earbuds and all of a sudden I'm in the middle of an interview and somebody texts me and now the new earbuds switch to my phone and I can hear the chiming in my ear. I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay. So what happened was in that case, my Wi-Fi, which normally isn't on, but I turned it on to do an airdrop of pictures, whatever. So the Wi-Fi is picking up my phone where I'm normally hardwired. Now that sounds like a boring story, but the point of my story is the next, as soon as I get off that podcast, I added to my super toolkit, make sure Wi-Fi is off right? It's like, oh, that will never happen to me again. So I won't be now in a call three months down the road doing an important interview with somebody and going, oh my gosh, I forgot that happened the last time. And I, I, it's usually off, but I just loaded some pictures, you know, those things, oh, that, ah, you do that thing in your head. I remember why I did that, you know? So the super toolkits, we can constantly be adding to them and then they don't use brain power. I also don't have to run around like a crazy person right before I hop on this call, Gavin, trying to remember everything. I just calmly go through chip, 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 and then you get my full attention and I'm present and I'm not sitting there smiling at you doing small chat going, did I do this? Did I do this? Do I do this? So it just allows you to be, it's like any big company in the world. We all agree McDonald's does not serve the best hamburgers, but it's the consistency that made them billionaires because they have the consistency of, you know, delivering the same service. So obviously it's it, it's self-explanatory about the importance of having that. And that, that Wi-Fi story is, is, is a great example about the importance of having those checklists, you know, pilots the world over rely on pre-flight checklists yeah. to help to minimize the impact of human factors and human error. Um, I guess, um, in order to be able to do that, you've got to be able to system, you know, system, systematically put down that list of steps. Now, 
most sort of entrepreneurs, business leaders are very, they come from the kind of like the built the founders that built their own business up. 101 ideas an hour, if not a day, if not a day, or sorry, a day, if not an hour. Um, the creative people. So the thought of sitting down and writing down step-by-step processes, it drains the life force mm-hmm. from them. So um, presumably you will help that within that, but not everybody is has a, a tendency to want to write down a, a, and test a process and simplify a process. Yeah, then don't do it. So what I would say, and that's not what it's based on at all, and I'm so glad you brought that up because that's what everybody hears is this laborious, restrictive, time-consuming thing. So we work with creatives of all sorts of types. And what I would say to you is when you do sit down and you write down these steps, they don't work anyhow because you're you're looking at the ceiling trying to remember. It's like I, I've taught numerous people in my life how to drive, and just recently I started teaching my niece how to drive. She just turned 16, and I hadn't done it in a while. So all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, right, I forgot to tell you this. Oh, right, you know, you don't know that. So the point is these systems, people say, well, I'll hire somebody when I get all my systems written out. And it's like, well, that's not going to work. It'll never get done, and they won't be effective because you want to cue them. You want to create, use, and edit them. So what I would say in that case is let's say you're doing something that whatever, I don't, I don't know, you're posting something on LinkedIn. So you could use Loom, which is a free screen capture. If you don't know it, it's L-O-O-M. And you could just go in and as you're doing what you do, you could create a Loom screen share and you could just do it for 30 seconds. You could talk while you do it or don't talk at all. Then you send it to your new person and say, hey, create me a process for this, especially if you work with Chris, based on the super toolkit formula. And write this out. So while you're doing your work, you could just do screen captures and have that person you hired say, look, we're going to be creating processes for this. Can you type all this out? I really don't create very many of my processes at all anymore. Um, My team does that. And they'll come to me with ideas that we can improve and do all these other things. So there is a, for lack of better ways, there's a very efficient process to making process. But I guarantee you, not only will you never get the time to do it, but when you go to work through that process the first time, you'll realize how many steps you missed because you're just, you're doing it by memory again. So we spent time talking about team. We talked about two toolkit before. We, I obviously want to move on to time as your third area. Is there anything else that we need to cover in the area of toolkit before we move on? Oh, well, you know what? There's just so much. If you, <laughs> like, that's a whole thing in itself, but it is really, it's the infrastructure to a business And I just was working with someone, I just came across this study the other day, and it was something like 70% of small business or entrepreneurs expect their business to provide for them in some capacity in retirement, and 2% successfully do that. And it's totally because they don't have an infrastructure. Um, Really quick story, somebody was on my show, and he was telling me about how his father was a very sought-after carpenter. He made these tables. And people would wait and write him and wait like six months to get one of his tables. And they were thousands of dollars, but he had no structure at all. He just hobbled out to the barn, made these little things. And when he retired, he closed the barn and these tables that are worth like five, $8,000, he sold his hammer, used hammer. Here's a used hammer. What's that worth? I don't know. $2 at a garage sale, maybe 10 So it's the infrastructure, these super toolkits. I just had another business friend and she just sold for a lot of money, a cleaning company. Come on, we can all clean toilets. They weren't buying that. They were buying the infrastructure she had in the business so that she had a business to sell. Yeah, you know, in the the world of um, acquisitions, you know, buying a business then or selling that, that business, the fact that you've got written down systems and processes with people that are trained and in the operation of those and those processes can give you predictable results significantly increases the value of that business. Oh, or you're just really, then they'd have to hire you as an employee because you're it. And you're what I call affectionately a sufferpreneur. A sufferpreneur, yes. <laughs> Fantastic. Great. Let's step into time. So there's some of the things that really stood stood out to me um, that I loved, um, and one was it. One of the key ones is scrap the to do list and yeah. work from within your calendar. Yeah. Now share that because most people, the bane of their life is the to do list. So, okay, talk, so talk me through that because I think there's a there's a big distinction, isn't there, between the 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 the, the task and then allocating the time to get it done. So explain yeah. more. 
So a to-do list is an excellent tool if you're looking to stress yourself out, um, just have open files in your drawer on the way to the bathroom in the middle of the night, you're realizing, oh, I forgot something. Uh, it creates all kinds of anxiety and open loops in the brain and deteriorates your memory. So if you're looking for that, to-do lists are fantastic, okay? So what happens is most people don't use their calendars, what I call a time bank account. So what if you have, let's say, a car payment, Gavin, and you said, oh, you know what, Chris, my car payment is $270. It comes out at the end of every month, but I know it comes out, so I don't count it. Well, that doesn't make sense because the money's still gone. So what happens is people are using to-do lists that have no increments of time. They don't measure which one is a priority. They're not interconnected. I have to do this one or this one. You cherry pick and you pick different things. This is two hours, this is four hours. There's no sequence of events, nothing. These things should be on your calendar. And you'll think, oh, I can't put all those things on my calendar. Well, that's because you're doing it wrong. Things should be broken down into segments. We can talk about working backwards. That's in the book as well. But what I would say the biggest mistake people make is they have this calendar, which is their time bank account, and they're not measuring the work they have with the time they have. So, so many people, one of the biggest things they'll do is they'll not put down work that they do every day. Um, I was dealing with this company. They have to run these reports at the end of every day, small little business, and it takes them like an hour to do this. Oh, we do that every day. We don't put it on the calendar. We know we have to do it. Okay. So with that formula, what happens is so many entrepreneurs are walking into their day thinking they have eight hours when in fact they may only have five because they're mm -hmm. running off a to-do list and the math is really faulty from the get-go. And then all of a sudden you're wondering, Hey, I'm going as fast as I can. Why am I not getting anything done? Well, cause you had 15 hours worth of works and squeezed into eight. Cause you're, you're, I mean, it's almost like Gavin, if I said to you, let's go to the store and I'm not going to tell you how much money you have in your bank account. And I'm not going to tell you the prices. Let's say we're going to a grocery store. Are we going to a no frills grocery store? Or are we going to a high end vegan? This cow lived a very good life while it melted in a spa grocery store. Right? So that's a big mistake people make with time is they're, they're not using their time bank account. And they're living off a to-do list, which is just never ending and not helpful in any capacity. Is there not? A, I love this. I love this. Uh, the, 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 this uh, analogy of the time bank account. Is there not though a need to capture, like a, a capture, a, a list of some way to capture all the things, and then second stage being scheduling, and that's where you put you you, you use up the time in the bank account. Yeah. So. You shouldn't have a big list of things to do. You really shouldn't. It's kind of like if you've ever built a piece of furniture where it kind of come pre-assembled and then you said to your wife, hey, I built you this chair. Oh, because we just had a new baby and here's the chair. And then she looks over on the floor and there's all these bolts and screws and all the extra parts, right? So that's what a to-do list is. So what I would say to you is you might think, oh, but Chris, I have to call this person to do that. So then you have on your calendar at 11 o'clock, 11 o'clock, I do emails. I've got about 30 minutes of emails and then I make phone calls. So I have a communication hour, emails and making those calls. That can go in there. That's not a to-do list. This is the allotment of time for that. So that would be on your calendar. A big thing I would tell people is you need to work backwards. We do this in our personal life. Let's say you have to be, I don't know, if back, you know, let's say your, your children play sports, play hockey. I'm in Canada. So all of a sudden you go, okay, we got to be to the rink at two o'clock. It's an hour away. So we got to leave at one, but there could be bad weather. Then we got to feed the kids. That's noon. So all of a sudden you're looking at preparing to be somewhere at two o'clock in the afternoon that you have to really start getting organized around 11 AM. We all do that. We work backwards, right? So people, especially entrepreneurs, you get all excited about a new project, a new client, and you dive all in and all you, you, I don't know if you have this voice in your head, but there'd be some times where you get something really new and exciting and you realize, oh, this has come to the forefront. How long till I drop the ball somewhere else or to I, till, until I annoy a client that's been with us for a while because all hands are on deck on this new one, right? So what I would say is you want to work backwards. You'd say, okay, we promised, I don't know, let's say you're working on some important videos for a launch. And then you have to say, well, the launch is at the end of the month. So I need, so now when you use your super toolkit, you're going to have a list and you're going to go, okay, so I have to have the videos to the editor by this date. And then I have to do this and then I have to whatever. Okay. So I should be making those videos this week for them to be without any stress, good to go out at the end of the month. So you work backwards. So then that's on your calendar 
where it says, okay, great, make videos. Okay. So you can see as you work backwards when things are due. And so therefore, again, you're using your time bank account and you don't have this big mighty to-do list. Does that make sense, Gavin? It does. I like that. Now there's been growth over recent years of team productivity tools like Monday.com, Asana, Trello, and others. Um, and they allow allocation of tasks between different team members and, and hold accountability and check progress. How uh, have you, does your system into, you know, your way of thinking work with tools that are already established and some people found to be effective like that? Yeah. So really what that is, that's a great question. So really what that is, that's just a communication tool. So yeah, you do want to have a project management platform at some point where what happens is you do not want to be chasing this communication through email. So that's what you don't want to be doing. Email is not sure. meant for that, right? Sure. So if you're using Monday or, or .com, excuse me, I use Basecamp or whatever, the new thing, click yeah, up, yeah. all yeah. that stuff, that's fine. So what happens is you're going to have a master super toolkit and say, okay, we've done, when we did our book, we created a launch plan for the book. And then and then when it came the opportunity for, I was finally talked into having my own podcast. You guys can listen to it. It's just general business. It could be sales, social media, whatever, when the hour, when the day uh, podcast. And it came, it landed in my lap and, and it was presented to me like in November, like October. So I spoke to my team and I said, oh, let's do this in the spring. And these annoying people who I've trained so well, they said, well, Chris, you've got the speaking gig next month. Why don't we do this? Launch it that day. It's four weeks from now. And I'm like, four weeks, right? <laughs> like, hello, I, we don't have a name. We have no concept. I don't even know. Do you throw the phone up in the air and iTunes picks it up? I knew nothing. Right. And they said, Chris, you wrote the book. We know how to do it. We also did a book launch. How different could this be? We've got the super toolkit for the book launch. How different could it be? We have to create activity. We have to do all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, <laughs> so we'll do that. So we, I couldn't argue my way out of that one. So we did it. And humbly, I could tell you, we also launched the top 10 in my country. So I don't mean that we just got it up. I mean, we did a great job. And if you allow me, Gavin, I will add one more point to that. Here's a really important one you guys might want to write down. No matter what you think, if you think you're a night owl, that's because you feel like you've got everything cleared off your desk and you feel like you can finally breathe at night. But the reality is the human brain is recharged and at its best first thing in the morning. So anything that requires new attention, deeper focus, or creative activity should be done that first hour of the day. You are going against yourself and really wearing down your peakest potential by opening emails and having your brain go in all different directions, which increases decision fatigue and instantly wears down your battery. Hence the title, win the hour, win the day. It's win the first hour of the day. And win every hour after that. Hey, Gavin here. So Chris made a comment about it, do the most important work when your brain is not fatigued at the beginning of the day, at the start of your day. I just want to refer you back to earlier in this revived series, episode 236 with Dr. David Lee, when we did a, you know, went into depth around sleep. And, you know, we talked about night owls versus the larks, the morning larks, and about when you are naturally at your freshest. And so my sort of take on Chris's point there, after having spoken with the sleep expert, Dr. David Lee, is do the most important work when you are at your freshest and don't burn or waste energy, mental energy, by doing clearing emails, clearing voicemails, etc. Get down to the real work, get it done, put it in your diary, schedule it. So at the start of your working day or the start of your time of peak freshness and productivity, just get on with the important work that will make a big difference and move the dial in your business. Leave the email processing to a set time in the day, preferably later in the day when you don't need to be as fresh to deal with that. Okay. So um, your your clear recommendation is, you know, almost Brian Tracy's eat the eat the frog. It's get the 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 most m- meaningful work or the most material the work with most inter- material impact to your business done early on in the day, the first hour. Yeah, I mean, listen, Brian Tracy has many things to offer. I, we all let's all hail Brian Tracy. I bow to Brian Tracy, but I my belief system is that is very draining on the brain to eat the frog. The human brain studies show deteriorate quickly when you try to use willpower. Discipline and willpower 
erodes your efficiency. And people will say that, oh, Chris, I'm trying to be disciplined. It, you can't white knuckle this. Discipline wears you down. And there's all kinds of studies to show that how discipline actually zaps you of energy and focus because it's like, mm -hmm. you know, if you've ever been somewhere, I don't know if, it, I don't know if you've done this Gavin where you're trying, maybe trying to eat healthier or you're doing something. And now you're at somebody's dinner event and there's cake and you say to yourself, I'm not going to have that. And somebody's talking to you. You're sitting, uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm not going to have the cake. I've done really well. Everybody else said, oh, cake. I haven't it, had the cake. It's when I'm running client events at hotels and yes. the coffee break comes and there's those lovely chocolate cookies, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And you can so, hear it calling to you and somebody's talking to you and you're having this full conversation. Well, should I have one? Should I have half of one? No, yeah, I'm doing yeah. really good. It. And it's just yeah. sucking the life out of you. And you're not. So if paying... you're not using discipline, so I get that point. No. So what do you advocate doing then in that first hour? Again, anything that requires the most attention or focus. So your new creative work. So when I was writing my book, I did that Monday to Friday, every hour. That was the first thing I did first thing in the morning so that it didn't get pushed to the next day. And also when I talk about working backwards, that's where I looked and I contacted the editor and she needed the book by June for me to get it out in time. So what happens was I realized to do that, that I had to do five pages per day, Monday to Friday. And I did that the first hour when I was the freshest and there was no excuses like, oh, this happened. And so now I bumped it over tomorrow. It also sobered me up because if something happened where I'm like, you know, I just don't have it in me today and I'm just really busy and blah, blah, blah. Well, then I realized if I don't have five pages in me today, I'm not going to have 10 in me tomorrow. So mm -hmm. that made me really accountable and I could really clearly see when I got off track versus, oh, I hope to have a book done by this summer. Mm -hmm. What if you get more than one thing that is well, the most creative work that requires your most attention and focus? Then, then you need to pick one. You have to have a priority. So you might say, okay, you know what? For the first two weeks, Chris, you're going to work on the book because we have to get a rough draft done to the editor. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to work on whatever your next thing is for the week. And by that time, it comes back. So you can change your priority, but priority does mean one. And once we start splitting that off, it's do you want to be okay at two things or do you want one thing done and done well? So many people with a creative brain, some would say a sign of an active, intelligent brain is they are focusing or trying to focus on one thing and then an idea pops into their head and then another one pops into the head and they get distracted. So some find, many find it difficult to just focus, say, on that one hour on that one thing. So what advice have you got in that scenario? Yeah. So I get ideas all day long too. I'm not just wandering through life with one simple thought. I wish, right? <laughs> it would be easier, be more relaxing. So in that case, like I have a little thing. Um, I work on, I work on my content on Fridays. And so when I go in there, there's a little link to my ideas. So all of a sudden I'll be like, Oh, I should do that for my blog. Oh, Gavin asked me a really good question. So then I just dump it in there so that when I go to do that on Fridays in that one hour, all my ideas are there. So there should be a place for these things. Otherwise, it's like 52 pickup. It's like you have no idea where anything could possibly be. And then you stress yourself out going, oh, I read that book. What was the name of the book? And, you, you know, you just wear yourself out in a crazy state going, am I losing my mind? I thought I had that written down somewhere. So you have somewhere to keep capture ideas yeah. in the moment. So you're mm -hmm. focusing on that for, in the example of the first hour of the day. You, you, you've got your head into something, yeah. an idea, a thought, a uh, 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 a reminder pops into your head and you capture it and then get back down to the, the task in hundred percent. Right. And I noticed a, a piece of sound advice is during those blocks of time. And you use the phrase about blocking time out, but those blocks of time, emails off phones off. Yes. Distractions are minimized. Yeah. A hundred percent. You just can't, I don't care who you are. You can when you hear a ding, you, you like, it, it just put it, it it's like somebody tapping you inside of the head like just tap 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 you can't have you ever tried to sleep with a mosquito like it's it's not a relaxing mm. process right so these are digital mosquitoes and they're meant to trigger us and you know i've been in interviews where people and all of a sudden things are going off and they're like oh sorry i'm supposed to have a glass of water once an hour like there's a water app and this text and all these crazy things so, you know, you be mindful. In my case, the only thing I have on during the day at all is my texting if somebody in my family needs to get a hold of me. Of course, that's shut off now to inter be interviewed by you, but I don't have things going off all day because what's the purpose of that? The purpose of that is to get your attention and you're already spread too thin. How is that going to help? And then we get to sit what we call attention residue. They show if you could imagine like, 
a, let's say a wall, a white wall, and you take some shaving cream and you put it all over the white wall and then you wipe it off. And the thing that's left behind is a tension residue. When you pull away to do something and you come back, studies show you don't come back with all the little tentacles of brain power. You leave stuff behind. Now times that, like, I don't know, the 52 times we're interrupted in the average hour, you're leaving a lot behind. So you don't need those digital mosquitoes. They don't work in your favor. Great. I get it. So we're focused. We've got, we've got we've minimized or even eliminated the digital mosquitoes. Oh, what do you do with the team? With the team, when you want to be responsive to your team, you create protected time where there's a do not disturb above the door, so to speak, so that your team members don't bother you. Well, you don't really, you'll find you don't really need that when everyone's operating at a super toolkit. It's like, it just doesn't come up. So we have a mini scrum with, depending, I usually meet Monday, Wednesday, and Friday with my te- certain members of my team. So I meet with somebody on my team probably every day, Monday to Friday for about 20 minutes. And we just cover things that like, hey, I put this in the base camp. It's really, this is really exciting. I want you to make sure you take a look at that today, even though it's got a deadline, whatever. We just have mini scrums. And so any questions they have or whatever pop up there, but I would say maybe in a week, I might get two messages from them. Hey, Chris, I, I know this is really trying to get this out today, but the login isn't working, like something like that. But when they're set up for success with the super toolkits as well, it it just takes care of everything. Fantastic. Okay, what else about in, the, in this area of time then? We talked about working backwards. We've talked about time bank and planning into your diary when you're going to do things. We talked about the first hour of the day, uh, eliminating distractions, the digital mosquitoes. What else? Well, the whole concept here is we're throwing, I mean, you're a very thoughtful interviewer and we're plowing through a lot. So it can sound heavy to people when they're listening, but the ultimate goal here constantly is freedom. It's, you know what, you should leave your workday fresh and, you know, and start refreshed. And when we have all these things taking care of stuff, then you are not wasting brain power, remembering stuff and juggling things in your head so that I can then hop on something clear-minded at two o'clock in the afternoon and write a really great blog because I'm still, you know, in the zone and everything else, it just keeps magically taking care of itself. So it's really about having more brain power, more freedom, more creativity, really executing because business is not, you didn't start a business just to run it. You want, you want to get to that next thing and the next thing. So the, it really, the ultimate name of the game is freedom and just more and more mental capacity. Great. Great. Love that. Um, I, I love the analogies that you use and um, the, what's the typical, if there was a label you could put above somebody's head, when they first start to work with you kind of what are the what how does that what's the before and after label i i tell them that they all look like they got a driving under the influence mugshot like they show up and they're exhausted (laughs) and they're tired and they're kind of like just beat up and their hair looks like a mess or they've got a five o'clock shadow and they just look like they've been through the ringer and they're just like I worked hard and then I worked harder and I thought, well, once I get past this, and that's the thing, if you guys hear yourself saying, once I get past this, that's the first sign. So it really is. And, and, and I've trying to figure out, we just had a meeting about this last week that could I jokingly in the beginning, cause they're kind of not in the greatest mindset, but because they don't know that I'll show them the way out because Almost all my clients tell me that within the first month of working with us, they get 25 hours back a week, but they're pretty beat up when they find me. So I want to figure out how to have before and after pictures because it's unbelievable the difference. Like it is. So they look pretty beat up when they find me. I'll give them that. And once they are proficient within with your system, how if they where did they move to? What did it, what's the, what's the mugshot look like then? They just, you know what? They're just so thrilled and so happy. So here's another really quick example. I was working with uh, an interior designer and she said, Chris, you don't understand. I walk into a room, I see stuff. This can't be trained. There's no systems here. You don't get it. My job is different. And I hear that all the time. Everybody, everybody thinks their job is different. I get it. So I'm like, okay, so how long do your average appointments take? So on average, they're about two two hours. So we start breaking all these things down and we do very much live in a copy and paste world. And there is pre and post production. I don't even care if you're a brain surgeon. There's pre and post stuff you don't need to be involved with that you think you do. 
So moving the story along, we really got her appointments down from like two hours down to about 45 minutes. And she just did not, she was amazed. She was like, I thought I had to do this. I never even noticed that this is kind of separate and you don't need to know about design to do this pre-work or whatever, right? The paperwork, stuff like that. So what happened was she was, you know, working whatever, 12, 14 hour days. We got it down to the fact that she only took appointments in the morning. Then she started doing all these speaking gigs in the afternoon on very big stages. And she just actually reached out to me this week. Um, she's still a client of ours, but she, she's like, Hey, I can't wait to Thursday. I have to tell you. So now she's in this big home and garden show where there's some of the people on there. She was so excited last year that, cause they were from HGTV in, in the States and stuff. Now they asked her to host it and be the guide through the whole weekend. It's really quite a prestigious thing in her arena. So she said, not in a million years, Chris, would I have had the bandwidth and the time to execute these creative elements I wanted in my business because I would have just been working 14 hour days with clients. So if, if the, the label in the before case is driving under the influence, it's the sufferpreneur, what's the label afterwards? Just fun and freedom. They fall back in love with their business and they feel the freedom of like, I can have these ideas and I don't have to learn to suppress them and say, okay, don't think about that right now. I have to get this done. Like, you know, they're not having this debate and, you know, sort of lecturing themselves, stay focused. You do this all the time. It's just fun and freedom. Why do you think so many humans find this difficult to get to that place of fun and freedom, to get to that place of order in a world of chaos? to get to that place where they're doing six instead of 16 well, hours a day. You know what? I remember having this conversation with my mother. I said, heaven help me, mom. I never thought in this life I would have to learn to not work so hard. Like it, you wear it like a badge of honor. And the biggest compliment anyone could give you is, oh, she's a hard worker. Oh, he's a hard worker, right? So you get caught up in, and then you think, everyone says, hard work's the answer. You see that all day long online, grinding it out. This is a thing. And you hear these big hero stories, but what they're telling you is really, they're making a tale out of ill-planned journey. And they're telling you that hard work's the answer. And it seems like it should be like, oh, if I just work hard enough. Well, listen, you're not, you're working too hard and you're getting in your own way. If you look at anyone that's really excellent at what they do, you don't have an Olympic athlete, you know, training to two, three o'clock in the morning. Oh, because my Olympics are next week. So I really better, you know, I, I just at all costs grind this out. That's not how it's done. And I know for me, there was all these studies show how the brain how it works against you when you're tired. And I thought, excuse me, you don't know how much I care about this company. You don't know how driven I am. Somehow my human brain is exempt from all science because <laughs> I'm really driven. And so you just think that like you're, you kept, and I think, cause you don't know what the target is. You keep thinking you're almost there. Once I get past, once I get past. And so it becomes very seductive and, and you just get caught in that trap. I'm going to start with a decision though, that you're no longer going to tolerate it. Pardon me? Does it start with a decision? I'm no longer going to tolerate that level of exhaustion. Yeah, I don't think it starts with a decision. I think it's a moving target. I think you think, and even I had trouble and all my clients do too, is when, when you're so used to working to eight, nine o'clock at night, and then when you start working less and less hours and you realize, oh, well, you know what? I got so much done today. This is like, this is like somebody that's like, oh no, I used to drink too much, but I could have one beer now. Right. So I, there's been times way many years ago, I don't do this anymore, but I'd be like, I got so much done today. It's only five o'clock and I feel so good. Well, why don't I stay another hour or two? Because I got, I feel so good. I got so much done today. Well, that's where you start. It starts to unravel because now tomorrow you didn't have as much time off and you come in a little bit more tired. And so it unfolds again. And people tell me that all the time is that dopamine where we're set up with social media and all these things and these hits and triggers and you see people doing stuff and you, and this idea of every time you bring new information to your brain, the forefront is you get a dopamine hit it, you know, you get a high. So staying on task doesn't give you those highs until you, you know, get something major done like a book and all these wonderful, exciting things. So you are competing against the whole world that's working against you as far as stimuli, social media, and all these things that are set up like, uh, like casinos to alert the brain. So you, you have to be really purposeful to pull back from that. I just want to um, go back to that. Um, you focused in on the hour you have a notebook next to you or an app where you can capture things that come to your mind so you can get back on track. What other things help those that are easily distracted, whether they've got ADHD or whatever it might be, 
um, those, whether it's diagnosed or not, uh, those people with a very active brain that find it hard to stay focused on that one thing, what advice, what other tips have you got for those people? That is so interesting. I just wrote a blog. We haven't put it out yet. And it says calling all entrepreneurs, you know, something like if you've got ADD. And I, I wrote that because so many entrepreneurs think they have ADD because they're running off in all different directions. And then I said, listen, if you are diagnosed, I'm not a doctor, but this will help you even more. So we do have that false sense. So what I would tell you is one of the things that I do is I just set a timer. Another thing I'll say, okay, I'm working on this for an hour. And I just set a timer. I say, Hey, whatever device you're using, I don't want to name them now because both of them will go off, set a timer (laughs) for 45 minutes. What happens then too, is you're not working, working and all of a sudden have the heart attack. Oh, what time is it? Cause I have to meet Gavin and I forgot. And I'm getting so sucked into this because then your brain is pulling back and forth. Like, wait, wait, time is it? Oh, great. I got 10 minutes, right? So you don't want to be doing that either. You want to be all in when that alarm goes off, you're good. So you just shut down all the alerts, you set a timer and it will make you accountable. Cause then you all of a sudden, maybe you'll get a phone call and you look on the timer, you've got six minutes left and you're like, I'm almost done this. I don't want to have to pick this up and open it all again tomorrow. That person, I, I will, this helps with the discipline. I will call them back during my phone time because otherwise I see the work at opening all these tabs just to finish one paragraph of my blog. It's not worth it. But for many people, we're talking about changing habits of a lifetime where they would have picked up that phone. And so there's a, there's a gradual conditioning process, presumably where people, where, where you're encouraging people to feel good about the discipline of getting that task done within that hour. Yeah, but you will start to, you'll start to see the results and you like, sometimes it's, it's that one hour, that first time they do it and they say, oh, you're right, Chris. Like I just set the timer and all of a sudden, because I was all in and I said, I will do this. Like I got more done in that one hour than sometimes I've done all day. And so success breeds success because up until now, the formula has been I call myself a recovering rushaholic. The formula has been rush, rush, rush. And you know it doesn't work or you'd be exactly where you want to be by now. But this is the formula everyone's taught you. No one's really taught you how to manage energy and to, you know, and how to deal with competing deadlines. Like even when you're in school, if you went, it doesn't matter if you went to post-secondary school or university, they never asked you about your deadlines with the other professors. That wasn't their business. Good luck. Figure it out. We hope you get your degree. So no, so no one's really taught you. And the only thing you've got is, okay, I got to get up earlier, stay later and just do what I can to grind it out. Yeah. Yeah. Now, some people work in a, in a much larger organization, uh, environment where there's a very strong meetings culture and they can find in their exec role, uh, themselves in one meeting after another during the whole working day and, with precious little time to get actions done that they're being held accountable for. And then the only way they can start to work through those list of actions that they're being held accountable for is to then burn the time in the evening, early in the morning, at the weekend, robbing that rest time. So when people are within a a larger organizational structure where, where there is less, let me choose my words carefully, less apparently in their control, how do you help uh, them? Well, you know, that is a tricky situation. And I've done speaking gigs for, you know, corporations. And I think the very best I can offer you at this point is it, you do have to make people aware, right? And they, and, and I've been brought in when they're like, okay, everyone's burnt out. We know they're all working hard and they're just fatigued. Can you come and give us some tips? And we talk about the first hour and we talk about all that stuff. And then what happens like yourself is they realize, okay, rushing and just going harder and faster is not the answer. So what I would say to them is these things that we put in play, especially the super toolkit, you know, even if you're an organization that maybe perhaps doesn't support that, you can create your own and you are going to especially get more done when you are especially fatigued and you are in more business meetings than most people and you've got less time. So then many of these aspects become even more important and you don't want to be operating off a to-do list because now you're in a meeting and you're supposed to be paying attention and you're like, I just forgot 14 things that I should have got done yesterday. So I would say that these things become even more valuable. And then when you even have the smallest amount of success, 
people will notice. And all of a sudden I've had this, you know, where people are like, oh, well, you know, she read Chris's book, even though she's not an entrepreneur and la la la. And, and all of a sudden I'm brought in and they're using the book as a training manual because they start to see, well, I'm being held captive just as much as you, even though you're still working too much hours, you're not working as many as I am. What are you doing? So you can mm. still take this within the framework of the time that you have. And, and you know what? Sometimes progress is progress. Even if it's, you know, getting 16 hours a day down to 12, that's how it starts. Chris, I'm um, incredibly aware of time and I want to be respectful of yours. And uh, I, I love your energy. I love, I, love, I love the dynamism. I love the clarity of thought. And there's obviously, there's, you're, you're an absolute dynamo of energy, but yet behind it is this complete air of control, which I love because of the system that you pulled together over time, you know, around um, toolkits, team and time in order to be able to create the results. So Chris, um, obviously your book, Win the Hour, Win the Day, but how can people find out more about you? How can they get beneath the, sort of get under the hood of, of, of the toolkits, et cetera, and find out more about what you do? Well, first of all, if I'm ever honored for anything, I'm asking them to get you to be the MC because you're like, oh, you save this. You say very nice things. So we'll be calling you in if anybody, if I need MC for anything kind. Um, you know what? Definitely re reach out to me on LinkedIn. Tell me you heard me on this fantastic podcast and just say, hey, tell me where you're at. I'd love to hear where people are at and their journey and why, you know, why you're there. Um, also, you could check out free gift, G-I-F-T from Chris, K-R-I-S.com. I just put some goodies in there and some stuff that we still charge for, like the audio version of the book. So I put that. Oh, wow. I know. I put that special for you, Gavin. So it's in there. So yeah, just reach out to me on LinkedIn. Tell me you heard me here and check out free gift from Chris.com because we won't be keeping the goodies up there too long. There's some special stuff there. I love that. And just very quickly, can you just share with everybody how you got my attention uh, to record on this podcast? Because it was genius. I loved it. I well, love it. Even. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I have a super toolkit for that. And I do research and I'll find podcasts and I say, okay, here I'm going through. And then I listen to your show. And in part of that process is, you know, I want, I, I don't have much time and I want to be really efficient with that time. So how can I connect with you? So you take me seriously. And in that case, I sent you a video and I said, listen, I've tripped across your podcast. Here's what I think of it. Here's why it's amazing. And I think that you and I could have a meaty conversation, which I think we did. And here's what I would like to talk to you about. So it was all done in video. Little ninja trick is, you know, I had your name up. So, you knew it wasn't just like a whole, some sort of whatever generic video. And I had your images on the screen behind me. So you, there was your picture, there's your name. And so I'm hoping it stopped the scroll because then it gave me this fantastic opportunity today that I wouldn't have got. Like you, I would have just been, you know, one of the hundred emails you got today. So I wanted your attention and I felt that we would have a good chat and we did. Chris, you're amazing. Um, you've, I've always been interested in this area of improving how much we can get done in a day and a week in order that we can get towards freedom. And over the course of my career, I have read listened to courses, attended uh, workshops on this topic in this area. But through reading um, Win the Hour, Win the Day by Chris Ward and by speaking with you for an hour today, you've really given me some very profound and effective insights. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thank you for trusting me with your time and your audience. I appreciate it. Hey, Gavin here. If you, like me, are fascinated by time hacks and things that can help you improve your productivity, then you're going to love my Kindle book, Time Tactics That Work, 107 Ways to Get More Done. It gives you practical time hacks in different areas of your life, such as home and family, and of course, work and career. So that's Time Tactics That Work, 107 Ways to Get More Done by Gavin Preston. I'd also encourage you to play around with that freshest hour of the day, that first hour of the day. Now, a lot of morning routines would suggest that actually the best time to exercise is the beginning of the day because it gets you set up for the day. And yes, there's plenty of studies for that, but I just want you to just practice switching your sequencing around a little bit and see, well, actually, if, if first thing in the morning, 
and it's you're a morning person and the house is quiet you use that first hour of the day to crack on with some of your most important creative work or thinking related you know bigger picture strategic thinking work most important um, um, work from the day use that time in the morning to do that work and schedule your exercise later in the day play different people um, respond to different things so just as experiment what works for you quick exercise and then do your work or and you know instead of doing your full hours workout you could just do something for five seven minutes just to raise your um, heartbeat and get your breathing and brain and body oxygenated then do that concentrated hour of work instead of exercise and schedule your exercise in later in the day and this brings about the end of season two of the business mastermind podcast with the theme of revive we'll be back in a few weeks time with a brand new season three with a whole new theme which is all about scaling your business so until then use the weeks in between to recap over season two listen to those again go back into the uh, previous 232 episodes that was season one of the business mastermind podcast and i look forward to connecting with you again in, um, in season three with a lineup of fantastic guests where we are going to go deep in the area of scaling we're going to be talking to, to david jennings the author of uh, author of systemology we're going to be talking about to pete martin about the catapult method we're going to talk to serial entrepreneurs and merchant bankers around scaling through um, their businesses and through acquisitions systems to scale your business and also uh, including a fascinating uh, interview with steve anderson the author of the book called the bezos letters see you very soon in season three of the business mastermind podcast thanks for listening to the business mastermind podcast with myself gavin preston you know we love to hear from you let me know what you think like review and subscribe on whichever podcast platform you listen to us on it does make a difference if you are a regular listener why not buy us a coffee you can do this by heading over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash business master You'll also be able to get access to exclusive content from the guests and myself, further insights and information on the featured episodes, and how you can get more access for yourself and your business. Music.